the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Let me tell you how it will be. There's one for you, 19 for me. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. Here we go to debate. Senator Warren, your response. Here we go. So I think this is about our values as a country. Show me your budget, show me your tax plans, and we'll know what your values are. And right now in America, the top one-tenth of one percent have so much wealth. Understand this, that if we put a two-cent tax on their 50 millionth and first dollar, and on every dollar after that, we would have enough money to provide universal child care for every baby in this country. Wow, okay, listen to the list. Universal pre-K for every child. Raise the wages of every child care worker in preschool Who wouldn't vote for in this? America. Provide for universal tuition-free college. Put $50 billion into historically black colleges billion. and universities. Chiching, no, where's your not, little She's not done yet, Gary. Shh, shh. They try to cut her off. Bernie and I support a wealth tax. It's why is it does everyone else on this stage think it is more important to protect billionaires than it is to invest in an entire generation of America? Thank you, Senator Warren. So there you go, Carrie. Right, that that's from the Ohio debate and. You know, the wealth tax is a serious topic matter, Kurt. Mm, it, I think it's dangerous. It's not going away. But I think it's dangerous. Um, and, you know, there's, and it's all being driven um, by, uh, you know, two, uh, you know, uh, you know, Berkeley uh, professors, economic professors. Right. right? Um Came out with a white paper that they called, you know, progressive wealth taxation. So they've been studying this. And the one guy's name is Emmanuel Say. I don't know how to pronounce it. Saez. S-A-E-Z. Carrie, I, I don't know. Saez. And Gabriel Zuckman. Um, so uh, Emmanuel is about 48 years old and Gabriel is about 32. Okay. okay. And they're the ones who have uh, come up with this uh, you know, chassis to build a whole new taxation based mm-hmm. on the wealth of billionaires. And Bernie Sanders and um, Elizabeth Warren there have both, in, you know, embraced it. 
Okay. And, you know, and... Which is cracks me up because they're very... I mean, I know they're not ultra, but they're wealthy individuals. For them preaching socialism, they've... Well, Carrie, don't get too excited. I mean, right. this I tax... Know. If, you know, if, you, oh yeah, if you've got more I, than $30 billion, yeah, you've right. got to be worried about this. Right, but tax. I'm just saying, are they going to start there or are they going to drop it? Because while the things she was talking about, freebies, which who doesn't, I guess, that's where people love it. Yeah, here's more free stuff. Well, what's the cost of free? Well, Carrie, you can buy these guys' books. It's out on Amazon. Yeah. Right now. It's okay. It's called the um the, the, the Triumph of Injustice. They should give it away how, for free. How, it's twenty six bucks. You, know. <laughs> yeah. you can get used copies for eighteen. Um, <laughs> the Triumph of Injustice: How the Rich Dodge Taxes and How to Make Them Pay. Sounds like a you know a like they're villainizing um, people who are who, who worked right. hard and made money. So, but you know you'll hear. So you've heard some of the um you know sound bites that these democratic socialists have been touting, right? Mm -hmm. uh, things like this. You know, for the first time on record, the 400 wealthiest Americans last year paid a lower total tax rate, okay, than any other income group. Okay. Um, so they're saying now what they're now the question is what are they rolling into this tax rate? Right. Not only rolling federal income taxes, state and local income taxes. Right. right? Okay. And so, Maybe they moved. Okay. So they're saying these guys are saying the tax rate that this group that, that this top four hundred families um, and in the white papers they name most of those four hundred families by the way um, you know the tax rate is right about twenty three percent and they're saying the bottom half of this country. Paying, you know, their tax rates about twenty four percent. Okay, they blame President Trump's twenty seventeen tax cut as large, you know, which was largely they say a handout for the rich, you know, escalating this tax inequality. Okay, this income inequality, and now let's go ahead and call it a wealth inequality. Okay, um, here are some other sound bites. The American economy just doesn't function very well when tax rates on the rich are low and inequality is sky high. Okay, so if you looked at what happened since 1980 for the bottom 50% of the income distribution, there has been zero growth in pre-tax income. That means for, you know, for 50% of Americans, the average income was $18,000 in 1980. Today, it's barely more than $18,500. Okay, um, you know, income inequality has surged in the U.S. in the last 50 years with the top 0.1 percent. That's what my soundbite Elizabeth Warren. That's what she was quoting. The top 1 percent now controlling about 20 percent of the nation's wealth. Um, that concentration of wealth has coincided with stagnant wages, rising college costs, lingering effects of the Great Recession and trillions of dollars, you know, which, you know, erase trillions of dollars of household wealth ravaging the middle class. You know, we've been saying the middle class is gone, Carrie, right? Um, we also just recently had new Census Bureau figures, right, that uh, showing that income inequality in the U.S. reached the highest level since the government has begun tracking it in 1967. All right. Um, so that's so all these all this is coming from these guys study. And, and you know, and now the book is out and you're going to hear more and more about this because it sounds pretty good. What, you know, you, you heard, you remember, you heard Elizabeth Warren talking about the two cents, right? So that's her chant yeah. at her rallies, Carrie, yeah. right? Two cents, two cents. So what she's saying is she plans on, you know, two pennies, uh, you know, what's two pennies to a, a, a somebody with $50 billion? So for every dollar of wealth over $50 billion, but okay. That, that's a, regardless, though, that's a slippery slope to start or 50, down. Or, you know, um, you know, well, you know, the, the well, you know. That's I don't know. Um, you know, is it too slippery? 
Um, you know, there's some of this, you know, yeah, not 50 billion, 50 million. Did I, Carrie, did I say billion or million? It's 50 million. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm getting confused with my billions. Billion, the, I so know. So 50 million. So two pennies, so it's two cents of every dollar, you know, or 2%. So a 2% tax on 50 million or more. I, you know, your first 50 million, you know, is a lower mm-hmm. rate, but 50 million, all right. So, but for that, they're promising all this, you know, free college, you know, tuition, free, you know, universal, you know, pre-K, uh, you know, preschool care. Um, you know, they're, they're talking about, you know, remember Elizabeth Borland said she, Elizabeth Lawrence saying she wants to give $200 more for every Social Security a month, you know, beneficiary, you know, and all these other things. So here's the point. Um, you know, the, the big constitutional argument is whether or not it's even, you know, allowed. Right. Because, you know, you could talk about the 16th Amendment, Carrie, right? The 16th Amendment, you know, which came into effect in what, 1909, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically what what the, the, the decision was, you know, that, uh, you, you know, that it allowed Congress to lay and collect taxes on incomes from right. whatever source derived without apportionment among the several states. Remember, it was based on a famous uh tax court case in 1895, Pollock versus Farmers Loan and Trust Company. And, you know, it was a closely, you know, the Supreme Court, you know, struck down a federal income tax on the grounds that its taxation of income generated from property made it a tax on property and therefore a direct tax. And because the tax was not apportioned across the states by population, it was therefore unconstitutional. Well, then when the Supreme Court voted, that was very close to a five to four decision. Then people then they said, well, where is America going to get their where's the government going to get their money for their government spending? So then, you know, they passed the 16th Amendment to put the income tax back in place. But the question is, you know, that that does not necessarily mean that they can, uh, you know, implement this net right. worth tax. Um, you know, it just I, sounds good, doesn't it? Um, or we're just going to give you free stuff just because. You know, so, you know, you're, you're going to hear. And, and my point is um, not necessarily that we think um, that that Elizabeth Warren, if she won the presidency, she'd be able to magically enact a wealth tax. Right. right. Um, or Bernie Sanders, for that matter. Um, the, 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 the idea though, is how many people are going to vote <laughs> based on that, uh, that kind ca- that campaign promise. Okay. Um, because again, they're without the, uh, Democrats getting, uh, maintaining the majority of the house and getting the majority, if not the, you know, 60 votes in the Senate, even if they win the white house, they won't be able to enact this. Now, a lot of people are worried that if the Democrats win the White House in 2020, maintain the House majority, and get at least a simple majority in the Senate, they'll throw out the filibuster and then right. have you know free reign to do whatever they want to do. Um, so you know, so so my point is, yeah, you know, even though we, you know, there would be a huge constitutional you know uh, fight over an implementation of a wealth tax. More, by the way. You know, whether it's even uh, doable, I mean, you know, how I don't know how to implement because it would be so difficult to to watchdog. You know, you they would need an army of IRS agents, Gary, that they that right now are not in place. So, you know, we'll see. um, We'll see how this goes on. And, you know, so over the next year, I'm sure we'll be talking more about the wealth tax. That's right. Well, good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're a financial educational radio talk program here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. We're here to give you helpful information about issues that may impact your financial life, whether you're working or already in retirement. 
Um, we also talk about opportunities that exist in every economic situation, and there are plenty of opportunities as well as potential problems and traps um, in the complicated tax code, and we help people make sure that they're using opportunities as best as they can. We are sponsored by the Estate Planning Team, and the Estate Planning Team is a fee-based Ohio-registered fiduciary planning firm that's been around more than 34 years helping people solve problems, save money, and we are not, the estate planning team are not investment advisors. We don't manage our clients' assets. What we do is build these custom financial plans, doing financial modeling so people know whether if they're working, when they can afford to retire, if they're retire, what can they can realistically afford to spend um, without running out of money. We help people create the income they need as tax efficiently as possible. Even though we don't do the investments and our clients either work with an existing investment advisor and often cases uh, do the investments themselves, we do look at your assets in terms of our clients' assets in terms of risk, growth, and tax efficiency. Um, how What growth rate do you need so that your plan's going to work? Um, how to create that income as tax efficiently as possible? And then address through the planning process and the modeling those financial disruptors, premature death of a spouse, uh, potential long-term care stay. What if there is a recession? How does that impact the longevity of your plan or what your plan spending are. And then also coming back to helping people analyze some of the choices, timing of social security, pension elections. A big one this time of year is IRA um, or company plan or tax qualified estimate distribution planning or, um, Roth conversion analysis. Certainly, this is the time of year what we're starting to look at those issues for people. You know, um, I know hopefully we'll have, I think, Mark, you're going to get to a case study today. Um, but there are plenty of opportunities, and this is the time of year if somebody's working, maybe they're not maxing their 401k, maybe they need the money for cash flow, looking at those thresholds and understanding those tax thresholds. Maybe you want to contribute more. Are there um, things that you're not doing or missing out on that can lower your overall tax liability. For people who are already taking minimum required distributions, um, make sure first that you're not missing that minimum required distribution. Do you want to max out the zero bracket, depending on where you're at, maybe the 10% or 12? And if you're in the camp that believes tax rates are going to go up in the future, um, it's really important while we have these more favorable tax rates in general to take advantage of those and max out those lower brackets and also pay attention to where Medicare B thresholds are. Um, so it's looking at all these things and we help people get the most net benefit, Roth conversion analysis, and for those people who are retired and not yet 70 and a half, a lot of those people have this w window of opportunity that we really get excited about that you can take money out at a better, more favorable rate. Even if you don't need it for cash flow, send it to a, put it over to a Roth and you can um, look it out, help. Oh, we can help you with these issues. We offer a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation by phone or in person. Our home office is in Middleburg Heights, and we have offices around the greater Cleveland area. You can call the estate planning team, leave a message. We'll call you on Monday, or you can contact us through the website. That's 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090, or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right, you're listening to Mark Donnelly and Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 34 years. And over those 34 years, we have our focus on building intricate, 
customized financial models. We don't focus on managing our clients' assets. As you said, Carrie, that's not what we right. do. You know, there's plenty of investment advisors out there um, you know, to, to help you with the volatility of the markets. It's a big part of the planning process. But again, it's, we, we're a little bit different, and you know, we don't focus on that. We, have, we certainly coordinate you know, the plans with your investment advisors. Um, and, and some of our clients do their own investment advising, Carrie, quite frankly. right? And what they're looking for is help to build you know, a financial plan. So we've been getting some questions about, hey, Mark, you know, I know, you know, months ago you talked about the SECURE Act, right? The, right. Um, the Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement Act, right? Oh, you know, um, that was passed overwhelmingly in the House with a vote of 417 to 3, which was going to do a lot of, you know, things like, for example, Carrie, you just mentioned required minimum distributions mm-hmm. that begin at 70 and a half. Well, the SECURE Act is supposed to raise that to 72, 72 right? And so a lot of people are saying, Mark, what happened to that? Is that in place? And well, no, it's not quite. It has stalled in the Senate. Okay. And we're not exactly sure why, because remember, the Senate's version was called the RISA Act, right? Remember President Trump talking about, oh, RISA, it's going to be the greatest thing since, the, you know, any retirement planning in the last 40 years. RISA. Mm-hmm. Well, so where is it? All right. Um, and right now we know like there's three senators who are blocking it. Ted Cruz of Texas being one. Mike Lee out of Utah, another big name. And Pat Tooney, another big name in the Senate out of PA. They're the one for some reason or, you know, we're not exactly sure. They're the ones who aren't, you know, preceding this. Now, it's getting to a point where just this week, Carrie, there were seven other Republican senators who wrote a letter to, you know, Mitch McConnell, you know, the leader saying, let's go. Right. You know, what are we doing? Um, you know, Americans want this. You know, we, you know, Trump wants this. The, the House already passed theirs by a bipartisan vote. Why isn't the Senate acting? We have the, we have the votes. Let's do it. Um, it's a good question, quite frankly. Um, now, who are those? And, and, and by the way, Rob Portman, one of our own, you know, is, is one of the seven that signed that letter. Um, Susan Collins, Gary uh, uh, Gardner, uh, Joni Ernest, Tim Scott, uh, Tom Tillis, and a couple others, you know, so so maybe this will light a fire, you know, Cocaine Mitch, you know, isn't around for comment, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's publicly said anything about it, um, so we'll see, so it's not law yet, um, you know, we do expect it to become law, so as far as we know right now, you know, you still have to plan based on the 70 and a half rules for required minimums. Now, the other thing that that secure act, you know, there's a lot part, there's a lot to it, um, but a lot of it is 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 going to affect you if you are still working, if you're in the early parts of your career or mid parts of your career. How much of it's going to do to if you're already retired or soon to be retired? Uh, I don't know if it's going to have a big effect. For one of them, for example, Carrie, one of them, it's going to allow, it's going to make it for smaller businesses who don't typically offer 401k plans to their small group of employees. It's going to allow them to, you know, get an easier way for, a cheaper way for them to do it. Um, Another one, you know, that they want, you remember that was got some controversy, they wanted the the companies to be able to put back annuities right into the 401k plans. Carrie, remember we talked about that. 
um, because you know maybe those maybe those defined benefit plans weren't such a bad thing. You know, after forty years right. of you know the four hundred one ks, it's been a complete disaster. But quite frankly, for the retirement baby boomers, you know, the four hundred one k over the forty years, almost two generations are saying, ah, I don't know if this is doing it. Why? Well, basically because no one put the money in. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the defined benefit plans, a mandatory. You know, you, your money went in, and the company put the money in. So. Maybe think, hey, maybe those guaranteed pensions weren't such a bad idea. Right. So, you know, why don't we get annuities back in? And of course, there's a lot of people that say, you know, I hate annuities and you should too. But you know, the the idea is the one thing that that would affect perhaps if you are in retirement. And let's say you're even over 70 and a half or over 72. So w- the new rule on required minimum is not going to affect you one way or the other. Um, but you know, the one of the things, partly a way they were going to pay for this act, right? was to limit the, um, you know, the stretch IRA. You know, right. the idea that a non-spouse beneficiary can, you know, have a required minimum distribution, but they can stretch it out over their single life table. So if, you, if you're if you 65 and inheriting, you know, your mom's IRA, you, 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 you may still have a 20-year, 25-year life expectancy, so your required minimum isn't that big. Remember, only a spouse can do the rollover thing. Right. A non-spouse mm-hmm. beneficiary has to begin distributions within a year after the owner's death. Um, so the idea is, you know, that's, you know, that was a lot of people were, you know, saying that, well, that's a good way. Let's stretch it out. As a matter of fact, I'm going to name my grandchild beneficiary of the IRA because right. they'll be able to stretch it out real long. Well, right. talk to your kids about that first. I was you know, before say, you do well, that. and not even that. How many people don't stretch it out? Well, yeah. <laughs> Let alone. Yeah, I mean, really? Because that was your intention, um, doesn't it? The average mean? inheritance has been about 10 months in this country. Yeah. Right? Um, Ouch. But, you know, so what does the SECURE Act do? What's good? It's going to do, it's going to limit that distribution. It's going to say that it has to be out within 10 years. Well, that's quite a difference. Uh-huh. And so if you're worried about IRD before, if, if you're not familiar with that term, that's income in respect of decedent. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to say, well, you know, I don't whack my kids by leaving them a huge IRA, and now they would have to take that out in 10 years, you know, plan accordingly, keep your ears open, and that's part of the planning process. Um, so we'll see. Let's see what else is. Uh, we have a new presidential candidate this week, Carrie, right? Okay. Um, yeah. And I'm not talking about the Democrats. Okay. I'm talking about the Republicans. Oh, yeah. So did you hear about this? So Mark yeah. Sanford, okay, um, kicked off his presidential campaign. Did anybody hear about this? It's funny. I, you know why I did? Because you told me. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, I didn't hear so, boo so about it. If, uh, not, not all people, you know, so it's a funny. So the, this journalist wrote a funny article, um, you know, and... Uh, you know, about this, uh, Anna Orso, uh, you know, who's, a, uh, you know, journalist. So, so it, he did it in, you know, Philadelphia. All right. Um, so here's how she starts the article. The bell in Independence Hall Tower rang at 9 a.m. And Mark Sanford took a deep breath. He grabbed a giant check for $1 trillion. That's his prop, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's how much debt we have, right? Okay. Um, a year, you know, $1 trillion, stood next to a tiny wooden lectern and asked me if I was ready for him to kick off a news conference announcing his bid to challenge President Donald Trump in the 2020 Republican primary. Then she says, it didn't really feel like a news conference. I was the only reporter there. Hmm. Ooh. I wonder how many people were there in general. Um, they, she said that there was um, there was like a group of tourists, you know, taking pictures, and they were like off to the side, <laughs> and they kind of like stopped and was wondering what was going on. Like, is it um, a joke? The uh, you know, and of course, who is Mark Sanford? Um, if you remember, Carrie, he was a former South Carolina congressman and governor, 
But he's perhaps best known, right, for disappearing from office for six days in 2009. Do you remember this story? Yeah, now that you thought about it. Right, no one knew, his wife didn't know where he was, no one knew where he was. Yeah. Where was he, Carrie? Was he with his girlfriend? Yeah, in Argentina. That's right. Okay, I was going to say, if it's the one he was off having an affair. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, what a great candidate. That's Mark Sanford. Um, Is he going to have a strong, you know, uh, opposition to Donald Trump? I'm not sure about that. (laughs) Um, You know, good luck to Mark. All right, um, a couple other news, you you know, um, just a little follow-up. it was actually, I think, about last year at this time, Carrie. Remember, you know, you mentioned the Roth IRAs, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, now a lot of people also have Roth 401ks available to them, right? So we've seen more companies start offering those. So we're doing a lot more planning for our clients who now have, you know, more than just a traditional 401k option in the company plan. And remember I was talking about for all the folks who are in the or have uh, the, the uh, are in the Ohio Deferred Comp Program, right? Right. Carrie, and that's the course of 457 plan, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very popular one, right, for our, our public employees in Ohio. And they have a lot of great options. Right. You know, it's been very popular for a very long time. Um, so I remember last year I was saying, well, they were trying to roll out that you could have a Roth 457 option, right? Right. Um, and I hadn't heard any more about it. Well, we did, you know, so they did in their recent, you know, uh, newsletter you know, okay. that they send out. They did mention that. Um, and now here's the update. Okay. Um, our information technology team is currently in the development and testing stages for the implementation of the Roth 457 option. Later in 2019, well, how much later we can get in 2019? <laughs> I was say we're um, in early 2020, we will be communicating with employers regarding the requirements to offer the Roth 457 option. If your employer agrees to offer Roth contributions to the Ohio Deferred Compensation, it will be required to sign an amendment to the employer agreement. Okay. Um, now, so it, it so they are going. It does sound like they are going to implement this. Okay. But it also it's up to your employer whether or not they're going to allow it. Right. In their in in your plan. Well, that I think that okay. makes it more complicated. Um. Okay, so again, they just go on to say Roth 457 contributions are made with after-tax dollars from your paycheck. Distributions from these accounts are generally tax-free if you meet certain qualifications. Here are some additional bullet points. Roth contributions will only be available to employees of employers that choose to offer the Roth option. Okay, Two, Roth IRA rollovers are not permitted to a Roth 457 option based on current IRS regulations. Okay, and then finally, traditional pre-tax deferred compensation accounts will not be able to be converted to Roth accounts. So there's some fine-tuning, you know, fine points there. Right. Um, but again, that if, if that does become an option... Um, you know, that might not be a bad No, option. and how many people, clients, Mark, have we had come start with the process, they were working, that they missed that little email or company memo where their company actually added a Roth 401k that they weren't even, well, I know you're, 401k that they weren't even aware of. Right. So when we were the past, does your, well, I don't know. We said, check with your HR. And a lot of times, and then it's helping people analyze how much should they be contributing to the traditional versus the Roth. Because some people we've said, well, we heard you talk about it. So I switched my, all my traditional to the Roth. Well, that's not always it. It's not, most planning strategies aren't an all or nothing. It's usually how much over what time frame. There's usually 
very few absolutes in planning. It's going to be what works with your circumstances. Yeah, because, you know, it's a hedge, right, Carrie? Because, you know, right. the, the, the argument is, well, I don't really, no one can tell you for sure whether income tax rates are going to go up in this country in the future or go down in, in the future, right? No. I, um, I would guess to bet, though, with all the plans, regardless in our spending, they'd have to go up. And also, but also, you know, no one's going to be able to, you know, guarantee how long you're going to live, right? See, the, 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 the longer you live, theoretically, the, the more the Roth option will benefit you. Right. Okay. Obviously, if tax rates go up in the future, <laughs> the Roth, uh, you know, option will benefit you. Right. Um, but if tax rates go down in the future and you die early, it might not benefit you. Right. So usually it's not an all. Maybe you want to just do the traditional up until keeping you under one of those thresholds and then the balance and looking at your cash flow and everything else. But it's definitely a pot of money that you may want to create tax free if you're uncertain or if you even think there's a possibility of tax rates going up, then you have this. Um, it's growing tax free. If something happens to you, it's tax free to your family. And you avoid that IRD. Right. So, you know, it's certainly um, worth it looking at. In other words, we, we uh, you know, we talk about the tax wrappers, you know, in other words, you know, not only what assets do you have in your nest egg, but how are they going to be taxed? Are they going to be taxed as ordinary income? Are they going to tax that more favorable long-term capital gain right. rates? You know, are, you know, qualified dividend rates? Are they tax deferred? Are they, you know, tax free? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's not necessarily bad to have some in the tax free wrapper, Carrie. Right. And and so, you know, the Roth IRAs and now more and more, um, you know, coming on with, you know, Roth 401ks and now perhaps Roth 457s. Um, we also have HSAs, you know, health savings accounts, you know, which mm-hmm. um, are, are more and more because, again, you, you know, with the rising cost of the health insurance, you know, it's open enrollment. Right. Right. Now, Carrie, right. Um, yeah, I got to get on that. And, you know, the idea is, you know, more and more families are finding that the only way they can afford these higher health insurance premiums is by going with a high deductible plan. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you're in a high deductible plan, then, of course, you have the opportunity to fund a, a health savings account where you get the triple, you know, tax effect. Right. You know, you get a tax deduction going in. We like that. Right. Um Tax deferred growth if you're not, you know, right. And when you take it out for qualified medical, tax free on the way out. Mm-hmm. Can't beat that. Carrie. No, and I mean, those are examples of other things the estate planning team helps people with. Remember, we offer a free consultation if you'd like to come in and see if and how we can help you. We will only recommend use our services if you can benefit. We have retainer and hourly options if you need a lot of help or want a lot of help versus a little bit of help. And um, you can also visit our website and sign up for the newsletter probably in the next few weeks. I'm going to try to get the January classes scheduled so that people can register early um, and you have that availability to do that. You can also listen to our podcast and there's other helpful information um, on the website. But remember, um, Carrie, con- how do they get the podcast? The po- go to the website. Um, there's a little link for podcast, and you can listen to previous shows. But also um, for the free consultation, it's usually an hour to an hour and a half of your time. We have you fill out some information if you want us to do a preliminary analysis, which really you're going to see things you probably have not seen these projections before. And it it helps us determine, are you a good candidate for working with us and what value and benefit we could provide you? And you can call the estate planning team. Remember, leave a message. We'll call you back on Monday or visit the website. That's 440 
239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Again, that's 440-239-2090 or financialfoodforthought.com. All right. Um, so it is open enrollment, mm-hmm. right? Um, and also for Medicare, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, so, you know, open enrollment, you know, for Medicare is October 15th through December 7th, right? And this allows you, if you're already on Medicare, in other words, you, it allows you to change up your benefits, mm-hmm. right? And mostly the, 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 the decision is, you know, a lot of times is whether you're going to, you know, stay with original Medicare and maybe you have a Medicare supplemental or are you thinking about getting out of that and going to the Medicare Advantage, right? Mm-hmm. So just for if you're not familiar with that, let's just do a quick, you know, recap, Carrie, right? Um, so original Medicare, that's, you know, Medicare parts A and B, right? This covers the basic hospital stays and doctor's visits um, and, you know, but it doesn't cover everything. It's about an 80-20 plan. Right? Okay. Um, so part A, which is the major hospitalization, there is no premium for right, it. Right, which people don't always understand that. Right. You part- have to enroll, but... yeah. Yeah, but there's no premium under the current law. Right. Part B, which is the more routine doctor visits, emergency lab tests, visits, yeah. Um, there is a premium for it, right? And so, for if you started in 2019, the the premium starts at 135.50 a month, you know, per eat per you know per person, enrollment, right? Um, and then it's tiered based on the progressive tax system. So it's tiered. The higher income you have, whether filing single or married jointly or married separately, there's different tiers. And where the base, the first tier is 135.50, the top tier is 460 a month. Quite a difference, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you have all these thresholds, right? And, and that's why you know we pay the a lot of times we're playing the tax limbo game, right? Because the idea is how do I make sure my income doesn't go through one of these thresholds that all of a sudden my Medicare you know, B tax, and if you're on Medicare D, the prescription drug plan tax is going up, right? Um, now, so what's and and then the and then the twenty percent out of pocket. Most of our clients pick up some type of Medicare supplemental plan mm-hmm. that covers that twenty percent, and a lot of times that supplemental plan they may also pick up a prescription drug plan. So they're not going on the government's prescription right. drug plan, Medicare D. Now, a note about Medicare D in 2020, Carrie, is the, the donut hole is supposed to disappear. That was one of the downsides of Medicare D, that if you had a lot of you know prescriptions, you could right. fall in this donut hole where you're out of pocket. Well, that supposedly is closed now in 2020. So what's Medicare Advantage? Okay, so it really, it's Part C, you know, we, we call that, right? Um, but most people know it as Medicare Advantage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where it's you're 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 out of the original Medicare, you right? Know, you know, but you know, so Medicare Advantage Part C plans uh, combine the coverage you get from original Medicare Parts A and B with many additional benefits, including prescription drug coverage Part D. You know, all in one plan, right? right? Okay, um, and it's usually a very low or almost no cost premium. And you say, well, how can they offer that at no premium cost to me, Mark? Because you have more out of pocket. Yeah, well, that's part that's of it. That's the trade-off. You may have a higher deductible, but because the government's subsidizing those insurance right. companies, right? Um, so as long as the government continues to subsidize those companies, maybe the premium will still be low. My concern is how much longer can the government subsidize right. those policies? But it, the, you pay that premium regardless if you get prescriptions or not. So 
maybe depending on if you have a lot, you might be paying more out of pocket, even though you're saving on the premium. You right. need to look at it carefully. And you still pay the Medicare B premiums. A lot right. of people say that and say, oh, Medicare C is free or Medicare Advantage, I have no premiums. Well, right. not exactly. You still pay the Medicare B premium. Well, I think I'm And surpri- you pay the Medicare D premium. I'm surprised how many people don't realize that B, you have to pay a cost for. A lot of people say, well, oh, when I retire, I go, med- I don't pay. I like it. Right. You don't have to yeah. pay something for it. Right. <laughs> Go ahead, Kirk. No, I'm just saying I'm surprised how many people don't understand. Or I'm thinking of a case a few years ago where we had a client that was lucky enough his company paid 100% of their medical. And he had been there with them for 20-some years, almost 30 years. And when we asked the question, okay, you're going to retire in a few years, asked them, can you continue? Because he thought that was a benefit on the company plan as their supplemental, what the payment would be. And I think you and he was retiring before um, 65 and the premium came back with it was like $500 or 600 for him and his wife. And he said, well, that's annual. And I remember saying, no, I mean, I'd be shocked if that was annual. I think monthly. He said, no, I said, what's the premium? And because he never paid anything for health care, never had a deduction, it ended up being annual. And I think sometimes when you're lucky enough to have it, you don't realize the medical expense just to have coverage in case something happens. Right. So if you're doing this at home and you're building yourself a retirement plan and you haven't or don't know how much to adequately budget for future health care premiums for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. you better get a handle on that maybe before you start booking the riverboat cruises. Right. Um, and because if you if you believe that fidelity uh, fidelity fidelity study that comes right. out every year saying you know couples need to be budgeting two hundred eighty thousand dollars for healthcare for the rest of their lives that ain't gonna cut it right um, now you know that may cut it if you take the highest deductibles right mm-hmm. no a Medicare supplemental plan. Or assume that Medicare Advantage, you know, will premium will be stay, you know, free forever. Right. Um, I'm not so sure that's the case. Because right now, the majority of Americans don't go on Medicare Advantage. They say mm-hmm. about a third do. Um, but we think, Carrie, you know, we, we've mentioned this, we think about half our clients do. Right. And I see that more and more every year. So that my point is, if only a third across the nation is on Medicare Advantage, if that goes to 60, 70 percent, is, is it still going to be free? No. I, I don't know how it can be the way healthcare costs are going up. And I, I'm surprised at some point Medicare A is not going to be. Well, yeah. There's and, a cost for that. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and I don't know about for everybody across the board, but, you know, again, it may be more progressive where if you have a certain amount of, you know, level of income or net worth. Right. Um, perhaps me- there will be a Medicare A, oh, I saw a you premium that net worth. for you. <laughs> Um, now, um, but why also is Medicare Advantage getting popular? Well, you know, because they add things in that Medicare doesn't typically cover. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, vision coverage is sometimes included. Okay. Um, hearing exams and hearing aid coverage. Hearing aids are expensive. Um, you know, uh, so there, so there are other things and even some have dental. So, you know, so that's why another reason why the event now, um, the other thing, just to be on on the lookout for, um, you know, we do expect those um, that one thirty five fifty, you know, that that cost for twenty nineteen was going up. That's going up to maybe you know about six six and a half percent. We're you know we will find out for sure um, later in this year when Medicare releases the numbers. Um, 
So open enrollment, um, you know, you know, we'll keep talking about that and kind of go through. But all right, so now, um, so what else is happening? Um, you know, the, the 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 consumer price, and not consumer price, the consumer spending, right, mm-hmm. came out this week, Gary. And again, kind of mixed signals, right, because it was down. You know, remember we were saying that, you know, cons- the U.S. consumer is the last one to know when, right. the, when the recession is, right? Um, and could, and the U.S. consumer was going gangbusters. You right. Know, and, and, you know, what, where we already knew that manufacturing slowed down, business slowed down. We know right. that there's recession in Germany. We know that European Union, you know, maybe we're going to – are they voting on the Brexit thing today? I don't know what's going on know. there. Um, but then you got China this week announcing they're slower than uh, projected, you know, growth. So, you know, you have all these global indications that were slowing or stalling, but yet the U.S. consumer was going strong. Well, until we got the consumer spending index okay. this week, right? Uh, okay. And it was down, okay, where the projections where they thought it would be a, a 0.3% increase, it was actually a 0.3% decrease in September. Okay. So it's almost a full point. No, that's, right. that's, that's, you know... Um, um, now the uh, so you know do, do you does that mean a recession starts tomorrow? No, because no. I've seen also articles in last week that that they think holiday spending is going to be record this year. I mean, it, it is. You're right. Mixed signals every uh, time. I mean, if you look at articles, there's conflicting information everywhere. Right. So you know, again, what we've been saying on this program for months now, if not years, okay. I was going to say, we've said months of, I swear it's been years with the mixed signals that's been going on in the world. (laughs) So how do you protect yourself against the next coming recession? All right. Build a plan so I know Uh, what to do. Well, one is, (laughs) you know, again, because it's hard to time, right? Um, All right. So one, you know, rebalance your portfolios. You know, don't take on more risk than what you need to be okay. Right. All right. You know, because, you know, we're still at, you know, all, don't look now, but still all the major stock indices are up double digits. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, all, you know, cr- 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 you know, climbing the wall of worry. But knowing what really growth rate you need to be to know what how much risk you should really taking is about building that plan and building in realistic price tags. And t- it takes time. But I can tell you our clients that have gone through the process and done the detail and the work and we put together a plan they're a lot more comfortable knowing worst case scenario. Right. I know how to act or how it impacts me. So one rebalance your portfolios. If you're trying to be a 60, 40 allocation and your equity has gone much higher than that rebalance, lock in those gains or if it's trying to be 50, 50, whatever appropriate Two, build your, you know, if the recession's not coming yet, start working on your cash reserve. If you haven't already done so, you know, the idea is you want to have enough adequate cash reserve, mm-hmm. meaning enough in your cash to cover your spending gap. In the retirement, that's the difference between mm-hmm. how much you plan on spending this year, less how much is going to come in fixed retirement income, whether it be pensions or Social Security. The difference is the gap. That's what has to come out of your portfolio, your nest egg. The mm-hmm. idea is that if you have that in cash, and that means if the recession does hit, when you want to take the riverboat cruise that you had budgeted, or in the new car, or the wedding, or whatever big expense, your new home that you were planning you don't have to put your life on or your retirement life on hold just because the market's crashing and you refuse to sell your stocks when right. they're low um, so the idea is that the, the the adequate cash reserve covers that now you have flexibility to say i can sell my stocks if i want to but if i don't want to i can rely on my cash reserve and allow my time you know for my stocks to come back i'll sit out the recovery period and then you know 300 days i'll be fine okay um so what is your 
proportion, you know, what you need in an acquisition. Don't remember, remember, don't ask your neighbor what they have in a cash reserve. They may not have the same spending goals that you do. Right. Um, now, um, so the third thing is what you were saying, build your plan R. Mm-hmm. You know, your recession plan or your recovery plan. The idea is saying before you make a knee-jerk reaction and say, oh, oh I can't retire next year because the, the, the recession's going to hit. Or I can't, you know, do that, you know, trip that Alaskan cruise because the recession's going to hit. Or I can't, you know, buy that new automobile because the recession's going to hit. Um, the idea is by building a plan R is what we're doing is we're modeling in the next economic downturn and then projecting out if that did happen, is that how does it materially affect the the longevity of your plan. It mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily affect your plan this year, especially if you've got if you've done the first two steps that I talked about. But the third thing is saying, you know, even I can't prevent it from happening. So am I still going to be okay? Right. See, it's hard to run 20, 25 years of cash flows in your head especially with the complicated tax code, right? So the idea is that's what we model in. We tell the robot, hey, let's assume there's going to be a market downturn. Uh, let's assume a, 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 an appropriate period of recovery until we're back to normal. I want to know in that circumstance, am I still, is my plan still lasting to 90, 95? Do I hear 100? You know, how long is your peace of mind? Do you want it running? That's the idea. Um, all right. Um, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, the 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 one thing you know, the, the case study, and I'll, I'll probably I won't know if I have time to get get to all this today, but um, the, the idea, you know, bringing a couple of these ideas together, right, Carrie? Um, you know, planning. If, if you're five years away from retirement, let's say, um, you know, the idea is that's not necessarily too early to start your planning, right? Um, you know, so, so we had a case where, um, we had a couple come to us and, and, you know, they, they were, um, you know, they were wondering if, you know, they could, he could, you know, retire. They're about the same age at 63. Okay. Okay. And they, when they came to us, they were, I think 58, 59, something like that. And a lot of people say, you know, they can't retire till 65 because that's when they can go on Medicare, right? Right. Um, because they know that if they retire before 65, they're going to have to go get health coverage, right? right? Um, and, and, and how much is that going to cost, right? Um, so they, so what they wanted to know is whether they could retire at 63. Well, so we started working with them. And, and actually, after building plans, we actually, they were thrilled because we're actually showing them they could retire at 62. You know, right. um, Even though they said, well, Mark, we're going to have to come up with now with three years of our own health care coverage. Um, and it's like, well, okay, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can't financially do it. Okay. Right. Um, and they're saying, well, we're going to have to take out Social Security at, at 60. If we retire at 62, that means we're going to take out Social Security. And I said, well, no, not necessarily. Right. You know, um, let's run the plan. Right. So, you know, when we show them, you know, but so, but it, but it gave them planning. It gave them enough time to plan. So part of that plan was designing their program that says, not only do we want you to have an adequate cash reserve by the time right. you retire, right? But also in this case, we're saying we need a way that they can afford health care from 62 to 65 in a, a in a low cost manner which right. means obamacare subsidies okay okay so we talked about affordable health care act and if you're going to exchange to get your own health care coverage you get a subsidy if you can keep your income you know at a certain level all right 
Um, and so, you know, and, and so what is that level? Well, you know, for a single person, that's about 50,000 for a couple, it's about 67,000 for a family of four, it's about 103,000. Um, the idea is by if you have no income, you, you get kicked off right. on the Medicaid, you know, when Kasich signed the Ohio Medicaid expansion, right? So if you don't have enough income when you go into Obamacare st- uh, uh, exchange, you know, they kick you off the Medicaid and say, apply for Medicaid. So you have to get over that threshold, right? Right. Then you can, but you get, if you actually have too much income, then you don't get any subsidy. Right. So, you know, we're, we, we work with his CPA every year, and she tells us what that amount is, because sometimes it goes up with inflation every year. Right. So the idea is we needed a plan in place where we could still keep their lifestyle going, right, When if they retired at 62 and went on the Obamacare exchanges. So we, we still needed to pay, but also to try to get the subsidy to help them pay for health insurance till they're right. 65 Medicare eligible. So what we needed is the Roth IRA. Right. Because when you take money out of a Roth IRA, it doesn't go into taxable income. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it can get you your cash flow, but it doesn't hurt these thresholds. Maybe another reason to look at the Roth. So, and so especially for them, because they at the time they came to see us, their kids were pretty much done. They were done with the college years. They saw the light in the tunnel. And they had the Roth 401k available in their plumpity plans. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they switched their contributions. They went from the traditional to, and they went in and they started splitting it and started putting it in the Roth. So they were building this Roth IRA as much as they could. Right. So they had this Roth Roth pot, you know, when they retire mm-hmm. in, a, in for in uh, the, the future years. OK. And so, you know, now so it's you can see how the planning, you know, option, you know, planning uh, available, you know, the planning options dovetail together here. Right. Right. Um, and so, you know, one of the things so so, you know, now, we, you know, we say, OK, you've got the money set aside in the Roth IRA. And the idea is that okay, so now that now the, the plan's being implemented, they did retire, and now right. they're doing. We've been doing this now for the last few years, and so you know this is where we say okay, so the C, so we're working. You know, we're always talking to state planting about coordinated advisors, right? Mm-hmm. So we're working with their you know CPA every year, and we're figuring out that sweet spot of how much income, right? Taxable, you know, how much you know income they want. And then what we, how are we going to create that? Well, they are going to defer Social Security. So the really only thing they had was, you know, interest and dividends and capital gains from their right. non-qualified taxable investment accounts. Then they had their traditional IRA, which comes out right. taxable. And then they had the Roth. Because when they retired, they rolled everything to, you right. know, individual IRAs and Roth IRAs. Now. So, you know, so the idea was saying, okay, so what we do is the other thing is we work with their investment advisor and say, okay, for these next few years, we don't want to reinvest all the dividends and interest and capital gains. Right. Because that's taking up room on our tax return that we're trying to keep below. Right. You know, it's a sweet spot and we need it for cash flow. So we may re, we may turn on the dividend reinvestment after we're on Medicare, right? But for right now, turn off. So that was so that was kidding them on income. Right. Then we then the CPA says this is how much more income you guys can generate. So we're taking that out of their traditional IRA, right? Because right. that gets up to the spot. And then the difference, the gap that they need for their spending comes out of Roth, Roth IRAs. IRAs. So they keep their spending where they need it. They get the full, you know, uh, affordable health care subsidy, which takes their, you know, uh, you know, allows them to get a very affordable health insurance premium. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they know once again, when they go on Medicare, they'll switch up strategies again. 
uh, you know, for their next phase of retirement. Which that's a good example, too, why planning isn't something you do once and put away. It's an ongoing process. And those are the people that get the most benefit and save the most money cumulatively. Right. Um, You know, and so, you know, those are, you know, that's a, 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 a good example of, you know, how you coordinate advisors. You know, you, you know, and that's a big thing that we found when we, you know, formulated the estate planning team is that when, when, when families would, new clients would come into us, we would realize that, yeah, it's okay to have independent advisors, whether it be the right. attorney, the, your tax preparer, you know, investment advisor or what have you. But the idea is, are they ever talking to one another? Okay, um, and that's what why team is in our name, the estate planning team, because we said, you know, well, we learned this from our most wealthy clients, Gary, who they got the concept, you know, right. already that hey, if my advisors aren't talking to one another, guess what? They're no longer in my advisory right. team. You know, if I have any advisor that tells me they're not willing to talk to one of my other advisors, I don't know if I want them on my team. Right. You know, um, you know, and, and Which the, that's happened. I mean, most of the time advisors are willing to work together. Yeah. I mean, in other words, if, if you, it, you know, because we feel that a client under that roundtable discussion and in today's world, that could be as simple as a three way phone call. Right. Um, the idea that you're getting independent ideas, you know, independent possible solutions to the problem you're facing. But by having that independency between advisors, you know, no one's going to pull the wool over your eyes. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and, you know, and, and that's the concept, you know, saying, OK, you know, I've got a coordinated plan. I'm getting I'm brainstorming on how, like in this case, you know, how is this, you know, this couple going to achieve their dreams of retiring before, you know, the 65 mm-hmm. magic age. And, you know, what, Mark, I was going to jump in. Well, I know you were trying to go through the case study. But another thing is sometimes when people say I'd like to retire at 63 or 62, actually, if we run a worst case scenario or the, I guess, a best case as far as, well, money wise, if they retire earlier than maybe they're thinking and it's working, how many people say it changes the way I feel about going into work, knowing maybe I'm tired of my job that I can go into. And I mentioned because I had someone this week saying, I love knowing that tomorrow I can quit, but I don't have to. So anything else is going to, their plan's going to work. If it's working, retiring early each year or every month they're working, it's working even better. But they said it's the mental of saying, I don't have to be here anymore. Yeah, and it's not the light switch that you're working full time or not. You right. know, how many of our clients, carry are now, we're working on encore careers. Right, you or know, phase slow down, down. Right. slow down retirement. Yeah. And so it that's the idea of having a plan. Now, Karen, I'm going to guarantee, you know, you're here her first, Gary. Okay. I guarantee you the Browns will not lose this weekend. All right. Tune in next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The 
explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.